When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. So uh, that's the Black Pumas right there, Rod, and they're going to have a new album coming out on the 27th, end of the month, end of the week, I should say. Uh, this, nice. this track is off of that new album. We've been using it as a bummer since we started our show. And... Uh, how about this, Rod? At some point this week, we're going we're gonna to have Adrian Quesada on the show from the Black Pumas. Uh, he's going nice. to come on with us and uh, promote their new album, which what? comes out on the 27th. Yeah, he's going to jump in with us and uh, oh, man. chat it up. So, come on. Yeah. They were big time right phenomenal there. this weekend when I saw them. You, short, you saw them Saturday, right? Yeah, short little set. They played a few, few songs off the new album. sounded great. Came out into the crowd, sang to everybody. It was, it was, it was pretty awesome. That's a, yeah, yeah, the Black Pumas are essentially this, this. This voice you hear is Eric Burton, who's just got a soulful, soulful, great voice. And uh, his story's been told that he was busking on the streets of Austin, also out on the Santa Monica Pier, singing for folks. And uh, you know, got hooked up with Adrian Quesada, who Adrian's been a longtime musician in Austin in so many bands, Grupo Fantasma, and many others, and has done a lot of projects. And they came together and uh, made magic with their first album, which was Grammy-nominated for Best Rock Album, and uh, now it's album number two for the Pumas, mm. which will be coming out on the 27th, which is the end of this week. And so we'll talk to Adrian coming up about the new project. And uh, as we've talked about, Rod, following up a, uh, awesome. a, a debut album that was that good, right? It's uh, hard to do. It's really and, – Yeah, uh, man. And you got to top that. It is. But uh, the first couple of tracks off the new one, they're, they're, they're doing a pretty good job because that one right there, uh, More Than a Love Song, it's called, is a great track and uh, I think will be a hit. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, always try to keep it local with our music, especially at the top of each hour. Oh, shizzle. Austin area bands or musicians or artists, Spoon and uh, Gary Clark Jr. earlier and uh, obviously the Black Pumas. So I uh, appreciate keeping it local because we are Austin's only local morning sports conversation and bring it to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rod uh, – T.Y., have that uh, this, this piece of Sark audio that we've been using for our headline cut uh, when we talk about uh, the Longhorns. And, you know, what would, what would Texas be without a good quarterback controversy, man? I do. You know, dating back to uh, – I lived through the most famous you or did. Inf- infamous of those You were on the team and in the locker room. I was covering it, uh, doing a morning show at the time. Sims, Applewhite, that debate. I got you. I go all the way back to uh, – James Brown and Shea Morenz back in the day. I mean, we've had, uh, gosh, even like after uh, Applewhite Sims, there was, oh yeah, there was the uh, oh, we Vince Young Chance Mock. Vince Young Chance Mock. There were people who actually wanted Vince Young moved to wide receiver so they could let this kid out of the woodlands Chance Mock play quarterback and let Vince use his athleticism. Obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, Shane Bouchelle, Sam Ellinger, Colt McCoy. Uh, who was the, the other QB that uh, had come in that ended up? Jevin Sneed. Jevin Sneed. Mm-hmm. Rest so in we've peace. had the quarterback battle. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Jevin away. Sneed, yes. So um, now it's, you know, we, we know Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback, but moving forward, now you're not going to have Quinn Ewers for at least a week, maybe two, maybe longer. Uh, they're listing him as week to week. Yep. 
And uh, so we, you know, Malik Murphy has been the backup quarterback. He's been the first one off the bench. But listen to Sark in this piece. Down is there a, is there an opening here that, you know, it could be Arch Manning because he's you know just listen to what Sark says here about how this process will go starting this week with practice and reps. And here's Sark talking about uh, the backup quarterback. We'll go through the week, and and Arch and uh, Malik will both get a ton of reps. Uh, I, if the game was being played today, Malik would start the game, um, and and again. Arch will be ready to go. And like I said before, I've had a ton of confidence in Arch. You know, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I mean, he had a fantastic practice. Um, and so I'm really encouraged by that. You know, I think Coach Milwee's done a great job with, with both those guys. Um, and so we're fortunate, you know, not, not every school uh, is as fortunate as we are to, to have the quarterback room that we have and the connectivity that that room has. All right, so is there, if, if, the, if it was for today, Malik Murphy would be the starting quarterback, but we'll see how it plays out during the week. And then he alludes to a great practice that Arch had recently. Yeah. Uh, is it open to you, Rod, or is it uh, Malik Murphy as the starter on Saturday? Uh, Malik Murphy will be the starter on Saturday. Uh, there's no doubt. I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me really how the practices go. He's going to end up getting the start uh, just because I think Sark is trying to avoid a potential scenario where he has a quarterback controversy of some kind. I think he wants to avoid that. Uh, and uh, the way to avoid that is to, you know, kind of have a hierarchy. And you do. You have a starter already. Quinn's the starter. And that's how you avoid that. Quinn's the starter. But between Malik and Arch, think you have to get Arch ready to go, and you have to have a contingency plan because Malik is, even though in the offense, you know, you recruit him, you like his skill set, you like his um, – the, the, really his skill set and the way that he can operate the offense is going to look a little different, but Sark already talked about, we played the audio of how he's going to build and construct the offense around the strengths and really the, 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 the per, preferred plays of, of, uh, of Malik Murphy as opposed to Quinn or even Arch too. But you don't know what's going to happen with Malik. He could have a meltdown that game. I'm hoping he doesn't. I don't think he will, um, but he could. And you got you to gotta get the win. Right? And you can't remember, uh, I remember the, after the Oklahoma State game, you said you thought Sark should have went with Hudson Card because uh, he might have given you a chance to win that game. And uh, when Sark was asked about that in the post game that Oklahoma State lost uh, uh, last year, he basically said, well, you know what, we thought it was – you know, we thought Quinn, all right, it was in best interest of Quinn that he'd be out there to have those growing pains and to go through that. Good and the bad. Yes, and that'll help him as a quarterback long term. We're looking at long term. So essentially sacrificing a, dub, a potential dub yep. for the development of Quinn Ewers, right? Uh, that's what he basically was admitting there. I think in this situation you're going to have the opposite where he's not going to sacrifice a potential dub in a situation for the development and growth of his quarterback. No, no, If Malik Murphy is not having a great game and he may be a liability potentially in that game just because he's a young quarterback and new system, that kind of thing, I think you will have a quick hook if he's putting the dub in danger. And you would go with Arch if Arch can manage the game a little bit better. And this is the thing about these two quarterbacks. They are very different to me. This is what I've watched so far, and it's not a lot to watch in terms of what they've done. Because you're watching the spring game, you're watching some high school film. But it seems like Arch has better touch and accuracy. Um, Malik definitely has a stronger arm and can make better, more throws with more velo on him than Arch Manning can right now. And go look at Malik, right? Malik is he's a formidable presence in the pocket, hard to bring down in the pocket too. And, and I know people don't want to believe it, but Arch is probably more athletic overall. Yeah, probably more of the runner. Yeah, Malik Murphy's a pocket-passing quarterback. That's what he is. He's not a runner, even though a lot of Longhorn fans want him to be that. So there's a chance that in the offense, 
that maybe Arch operates it better just because his accuracy and his touch. And from what I hear from Jerry Hamilton, just studying his offense at Isadora Newman, um, it actually is very similar in terms of some of the terminology, some of the concepts, similar to what they what they run in Texas. So he might have an easier transition schematically than Malik does, but Malik obviously has the experience factor because he's been in the locker room there along with the guys. He's planted these seeds of leadership. Now he's going to reap. All the guys are really excited for Malik right now because they believe he's going to take this opportunity and make the most of it. Yeah, agreed. That's well said, uh, and we'll see. And as this texter says, um, you know, that just makes BYU think about it, uh, that uh, yeah. you know, having that out there. Sure. We've got to, Very and, true. And I agree, and you could use both of them because uh, I think if, if the skill sets are different and they have different uh, – you know, you're just trying to win ball games. Trying I mean, to win at this point. I mean, Sark's, Sark's main – because last year I could see – you know, I, I know there are a lot of you out there that would say you should never sacrifice a win for development. But, you know, he was trying to develop a quarterback. He is a quarterback and said, you know, no, no, he needs to take these lumps. He needs to have a bad game. I want to see how he reacts to it. I want to see how he bounces back from it. Yep. Um, I, you know, just pulling him every time he's struggling is not the way to do it. Trust me, I know that. I, I lived through that. Not the way to go with a young QB. <laughs> yeah. Not the way to go. Yeah. So, oh, Sims, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, let him, let him make his own bed. Let him wet the bed sometimes. And then how does he deal with it moving forward is an important thing. But in this, mm-hmm. this sense, now at your number seven in the country, you're sitting at six and one. You're going to win every you're gonna, Your goal is to win. And it can't have any influence. His last name is Manning. There can't be any thought about you know, the royal family of football and all of that. Uh, if it's Arch, it's Arch. If it's, Man- if it's Malik, if it's Malik. And if it's series by series, you've you got to score some points and uh, win these games. And as we said, your next two games are at home. I think that, that's critical. That is big. To have them in your own building. You'll get the support of your fans. And um, don't have to wheel- deal with home cr- you know, road crowds and things of that nature. Uh, being able to, to run your offense. And then we'll see. If it's a week-to-week thing, you get through these two home games and then you've got two on the road. But remember, these two home games are against two teams that are combined 10-4 and four on the year. The road games, the remaining you know, games in November, your last three games are against teams who are combined, I think it's 15-18 and 18 or 15-17 and 17 mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So these are the two toughest games left, at least on paper, on your schedule. I will never call a trip to Iowa State or a trip to TCU pay attention kind of games. But same time, best teams you're going to play are these next two. Five and two and five and two, and Kansas State's on the come. Well, and you're dealing with a lot of injuries, so the games are going to be even tougher. Yep, that's right. Just because you got a lot of uh, frontline guys who aren't going to be available, including at the quarterback position. So I, I cannot wait to watch Malik. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch what the offense is going to look like under Malik. I think Sark, listen, Malik's got a big arm, and Sark's said it multiple times, strongest arm in that quarterback room. I think he's going to want to open up that deep ball. We know Sark loves the deep ball. He's jonesing for it. Give me that deep ball, baby. He loves the deep ball. He's actually decided to, you know, to kind of dial it down because he knows it's not a natural strength in Quinn Ewer's skill set. We've all witnessed that last year in the beginning of this year, and I think it's been better because the strength in Quinn's skill set is really his intermediate throws, which are often the toughest throws for young quarterbacks. Because that's where the most dangerous, those intermediate throws. But Quinn throws them with accuracy and with touch. Um, with Malik, he's got such a strong arm. I wouldn't doubt if guys like A.D. Mitchell, who can win 50-50 balls, and guys like Xavier Worthy, if Sark decides, you know what, I'm going to stretch the field with him a couple of times it's because you know teams are going to stack and load the box to stop Jonathan Brooks, force that young quarterback to beat him. One thing you know that young quarterback can do is chunk the deep ball, um, and he probably is a little bit more accurate 
with it than Quinn Ewers was. We know Sark likes the deep ball as a part of his offense. I wouldn't doubt early and often in the game if the deep ball comes back and you just get guys like Xavier Worthy with Malik trying to outthrow the defense. And once he shows that defense that he can throw at 65 yards, then they might back those safeties up a little bit. And maybe that's the way that Sark can take the top off of these defenses, back them up, and keep them from loading the box on Jay Brooks and C.J. Baxter. All right, there he is. Uh, good stuff right there. More from Rod. It's time for Rod's rant of the 9 o'clock hour. Good stuff on uh, Texas Deep Dive. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start hey, getting real. Ty, you can I keep it My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, I want to talk about the defensive backs because I'm a DB, but I'm getting a lot of questions about the DBs and the in-breaking routes and the crossing routes and the dragging routes, <laughs> and why can't Texas figure that out? And why they get, you know, obviously just killed with it, eviscerated with the in-breaking routes versus U of H. Um, this is something that reared its ugly head again this season, but it hasn't been an issue. I was tracking in-breaking routes last season because I was annoyed at how often Texas would give up the inside leverage because as a DB, you never give up the inside leverage, right? Especially if you're playing man, you want to be inside. And even if you're playing some types of zone, you'd rather be inside to guard against the quick in-breaking routes, your slants, your skinny posts. And then you can always still play with up, with that, on that upfield shoulder all right, to your deeper responsibilities. But I don't see that as much from these players. Now, last season, I, I tracked in-breaking routes. We're talking about post routes, glance routes, slants. Last year on the slant, teams completed nearly 66% of their slant routes but had a 43% first down touchdown rate. Which means 43% of the time they threw and targeted a slant route, they got a first down or a touchdown. Post routes, um, teams averaged 11.3 yards per attempt, yards per target, throwing the post route against Texas. Uh, glance routes, which are tags of RPOs last season, teams completed 75% of those. Those are essentially skinny, deeper post routes, uh, averaging 21 yards, over 21 yards per target. In routes, teams uh, completed a lot of in routes against Texas with a 53% first down rate on in routes against Texas last season. Uh, if you go look at angle routes, which is a running back coming out of the backfield, essentially running a slant, um, you had a 100% touchdown first down rate because they were really successful and 100% completion percentage on those concepts. Remember Oklahoma State, we just brought it up. Oklahoma State killed Texas, racing running slant routes. On slant routes alone, I mean, Oklahoma State uh, last season, they averaged uh, 11.3 yards per attempt on the on slant routes alone they were just killing texas on the slant routes inside breaking routes they had 13 of them and they uh, completed 69 percent of their inside breaking routes now earlier this year i didn't worry about it stopped tracking it because it's an issue teams weren't uh they weren't hitting texas on those inside breaking routes so i figured I'll, i'll stop tracking it but it came up again in the U of H game. So let's hear from Sark first, and I'll give you my analysis of what I uh, saw when I rewatched the Houston game. Yes, I'm a masochist. I rewatched it last night, but I wanted to look at specifically those in-breaking routes, the crosses, the drags, the slants, the skinny posts. But first, let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian about the trouble Texas had with those long-developing drags, those crossing routes, those overs, those unders. Here's Steve Sarkeesian. The crossing routes, you know, I think in twofold hurt us. 
Anytime you call crossers and you're in man coverage, it's difficult when they're picking the guy that's, that's guarding the man that's catching the ball. Um, and to their credit, they did a heck of a job picking us. You know, they didn't get called for it, so you can't complain that, that, it, that that's what was happening. Um, but it's, it's pretty obvious that, if, you know, when picks occur, and we got picked a couple times, and it created, that created a problem. We had one where it was poor communication. Um, we didn't cover it properly. And one, we were in zone. And when you're in zone, that's when you really got to be able to shut those crossers down and match those routes. So I think there was th- levels to it. Um, but, but inevitably, we're going to have to play it better because we're going to see a ton of crossers this week. That's one of the staples of, of what BYU does. So we're going to have to play it better. Uh, yeah, he's definitely right about that. They're going to have to play that concept better. Uh, now, he's talking about getting picked. They, they get, they're getting picked, and I'll get into this a little bit later. They're getting picked when they run some of the uh, – when they're, when they're basically deciding to defend bunch formation or closely clustered receivers. Remember, you heard me talking about this ad nauseum uh, for the last couple of weeks. That's when they're getting picked and they're getting rubbed. Now, he calls it a pick route. But when his receivers are doing it on offense, he calls it a rub route. So don't listen to Sark. Like, I think we got picked a couple of times. Sark's offenses are always picking and rubbing guys. If it's basically it's a pick route if you're on defense, it's a rub route if you're on offense. And he was talking about his defense, so he called it a pick route. I'm a defender, so it's always a pick route. And a pick route is to a rub route what uh, tax evasion is to tax avoidance, right? That's what it is. All right, depends on what side of the aisle you're on and how you're looking at it. Um, but here, here's let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian first of all, talking about the cushion that the guys are playing. Because not only are they getting picked and rubbed with some of these uh, switch routes, switch releases of these receivers, but they're playing so much cushion, they're giving up a lot of the inside leverage and letting these receivers run these uh, these slant routes, these drag routes, these shallow crossers, and they're giving it up because they're not playing press man and they're not playing inside leverage. So the easiest routes are the inside breaking routes. Here's Sark talking about the cushion they're playing and why they're playing it. No, I mean, it just varies. You know, calls, sometimes it's the call, sometimes it's the technique. Sometimes the formation um, causes some, some adjustments. And so those are some of the things for us schematically as a staff to sort through that people can't force us into some of the, some of the softer coverage looks because of formations or motions that we're getting. Um, and so that's the constant evolution throughout a season of making those adjustments uh, to put our players in the best position to uh, to be successful, you know. Um, and to their credit last week, you know, I thought one thing they did when they saw us get, trying to get up there and get physical, they went to some of those crossing routes and we were getting picked. And so now you have to try to protect yourself to not get picked. And I think one of the – and it showed up on that fourth down play where Jade didn't stay tight to the line because he recognized what was probably coming and went over the top uh, to not get picked. So – we could say that was softer coverage, but then he was still able to make the play. So even though sometimes we're not pressed, um, we can still play an aggressive style. And I think that that's something that, uh, that we're trying to work through. And he's right about that. Remember, I, talk, I told you when you're defending bunch formations, closely clustered groups of receivers, whether it be twins or trips or quads, you, it, it's hard for you to play on the same level because you will get picked and you will get rubbed. So you play levels. You play off, and then you either tango, which is one defender taking the inside cut, one taking the outside cut, or you play levels, one guy taking the shallow route, and uh, one guy taking the deeper route. And Texas hasn't really mastered how to do that. So targets to bunch versus 
versus U of H. Uh, U of H averaged 11.6 yards per attempt anytime they target a player who was in a bunch formation or a close, closely clustered group of receivers. Uh, you, uh, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma averaged 15 or 15 yards per attempt when they were targeting players in bunch formations. And so it's something Texas has been struggling with all year long. If you just look at the the, the, the starting quarterbacks that they faced prior to the U of H game, and that includes Oklahoma, you're talking about Texas allowing over 18 yards per attempt when they had to defend a – a closely clustered group of receivers. So that's, that's what Sark's talking about, them getting picked and getting rubbed, and they haven't figured out how to aggressively, like Jade Barron did, aggressively defend those concepts but do it from a reactive position when you're, you're playing off. they got to read and react, and they cannot reroute and redirect those wide receivers, and they're having trouble with it. Now getting back to the drag routes, the inside breaking routes, here's what I found. I found 16 in-breaking routes. This includes drags, overs, unders, post routes, skinny posts, slants routes, six routes, in routes, okay? Uh, those are the in-breaking routes. 68%, actually, never near 69, 68% plus percent, completion percentage on those routes for Donovan Smith, uh, 250 yards, 13, over 13 yards per attempt throwing inside-breaking routes against Texas. You gotta get inside leverage, guys. You gotta be better at inside leverage. Even when you're playing zone, they still need to be better at reading the and, and having inside leverage. Or they're gonna see a lot of these in breaking routes again, especially because they're playing shallow and they're giving up a lot of cushion. Sorry, they they're they're giving up the shallow, giving up and then getting, having a lot of cushion. But also because on these bunch concepts and these closely clustered receivers, Texas right now. They're, they're defending it in a very cautious way on their heels instead of being aggressive like Jade Barron was on that fourth and two versus U of H. That was a very small window. It was a bad throw, but it was a small window for Donovan Smith to get that ball in. Essentially, that's what Texas needs to do in squeezing the coverages um, when they're targeting those bunch formations. Great stuff. Rod's rant, a little quarterback talk as well. Those are the two issues now facing the Longhorns of most concern, the quarterback spot and how they're going to hopefully fix this secondary or coach around a secondary that has been leaky against two pass-first offenses. And uh, at least that's one piece of thought that uh, BYU and K-State are run-based offenses, mm-hmm. which kind of plays more into the Longhorn favor. And really the rest of the schedule uh, is more run-based offenses than pass-based uh, for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Uh, when we do, we'll pick up these conversations. Also, uh, talking Rangers to the World Series. And if you're an Astro fan, are you even thinking about rooting for the Rangers now? Yeah, whoever they face, the Phillies or, or the Diamondbacks. Also, before the end of the hour, round of who said that? Who said that? Uh, always fun on a Tuesday. Talk about. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man, it is uh, Ranger Celebration Day. Just got a note that we're going to the, the, the fabulous fifth hour, Rod. Oh, yeah. Quick visit with uh, former Ranger great Jeff Fry. Jeff Fry will jump in and uh, nice. talk about this uh, Ranger team that got up off the deck September the 8th. We're on a 4-16 and 16 run through 20 games. They had tumbled into third place. Pitching was a mess. Hitting was a mess. Things were not good. Uh, Astros had just swept them three games in Arlington, and it looked like the wheels were coming off. Give Bruce Bochy and crew a lot of credit. They rallied the troops. And uh, 23-11 since that day, uh, swept through the American mm-hmm. League playoffs pretty impressively. Of course, the Astros threw their best punch as a defending champion and a, and a great team like Houston will. 
Um, you know, rallied back after falling in a 2-0 hole and then uh, you know, got, got the series advantage 3-2. And, again, looked like the Rangers might be. They took the uh, best shot of the Astros. They did. Twice, yeah. <laughs> they did. And that's impressive. And they showed the, the character of a team that can be a mm-hmm. champion. And their, their lineup is really deep. And yep. uh, pitching staff's been outstanding. Can't, cannot say enough, the Jordan Montgomery acquisition at the deadline. That even flew under the radar of a lot of Ranger fans because they were excited about the Max Scherzer trade. Uh, just that you know the the ownership group was going for it. Mm-hmm. They did, and, and you Paid know, off. and for Ranger fans and Astro fans too, it's been a roller coaster, man. You have these these, uh, you know, there have been some Astro teams, right, that you and I have followed who have just been really good all year, and they just get into the playoffs and and win the whole thing, right? We've seen a couple of those. Yep. This Astro team was good and bad and good and bad and not good at home at not the end of the home. year. I was and, uh, bad, a lot of bad at home. So even last night's game wasn't shocking. It was tough to watch, but at the same time didn't surprise you with Bruce Bochy against Dusty Baker and then the home woes of the Astros. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the Rangers, right after the trade deadline, when they got that jolt of acquisition of Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery, they went on a run, and then they hit. that's when that, that lull began. Uh, not long after the trade deadline is when the 20-game, you know, just oh, malaise that, that was, that was set in. Lowest point of the, of the season. That's when Ty jumped off the bandwagon. Yeah, sold his stock and said, I'm mm-hmm. going to football now. Done. A lot of people jumping off the bandwagon then. And, uh, you know, they never they never panicked and uh, knew they were good, got people healthy, got into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, that even added, added to the fact that they kind of coughed up the division on the last day of the regular season. So they had to go wild card route and not yep. get the week off. And here they are. So props to them in a big way. Um, you're an Astro fan, Rod, but you'll be rooting for the Rangers. I'm rooting like. for the Rangers, man. I, 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 I love the state of Texas, so I root for the state often. People don't like that, and that's okay. We, we, it's each his own. Uh, so I'll root for the Rangers, and I'm, I'm excited about the, the prospects of the Texas you know, Rangers and the Houston Astros having one of the best rivalries in sports, regardless of the sport, regardless of the level. If you have a, a heated state rivalry of both, teams are really really good and both teams are really good but the rangers end up winning the world series that'd be awesome. after the, the astros just did it yeah i mean that would be yeah that'd be all-time epic right there that's rivalry on that's rivalry on that, and there's bad yeah. blood there's animosity tons of and and the arms race right you, you just talked about it i mean the rangers spent like close to half a billion dollars right in the last couple of years to 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 turn this franchise around from being a franchise that lost, what, 100 some games yeah. two years ago to now uh, a World Series appearance. And if you don't think the Astros are going to feel that kind of pressure in the state, then you're crazy. So they're going to be matching that energy and that arms race. And that's what happens when, when two, you brought up the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers from the, uh, the early 90s when the 49ers had Dion and they kept exchanging talent like Ken Norton and Charles Haley because it was an arms race between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And it was a great arms race. I remember uh, witnessing that. But I think you might be witnessing something very similar when two rivals well, are at their peak at the same time. Uh, best rivalry in college football in these parts is oh, Texas-Oklahoma. And we just got to see Oklahoma stew on a, a bad loss mm-hmm. all off season and bring that chip on the shoulder. Astros get to stew on watching the Rangers celebrate on their home field. Oh, man. That'll drive that team into the Damn off season, which is great. And guys yeah. like you know Altuve and Bregman and Jordan Tucker – uh, they'll look at that and say, damn, we can't let that happen again. No, you can't. Uh, that's some BS out there. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's the rivalry part. And it hadn't been that way. It hadn't been allowed to be that way because they were in different leagues and they weren't good at the same time. They, and it's safe to say the next three to five years should be a lot of fun with these two teams because the Astros aren't just going to fold up shop and go home. Uh, the run is not over for Houston. No, it is not. They've got to adjust. They've got to add some pieces. But remember with Houston, they get Luis Garcia back from injury next year. They'll get uh, Lance McCullers back. Uh, they'll still have the, you know, the, the Javier's and the – 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the Framber Valdez's, and they got to get Framber signed, by the way, and uh, we'll see what that looks like. Verlander's, Verlander's back for next year, so uh, it, it, the rivalry's not over. Uh, they got to get some bullpen guys re-signed, but uh, the tinkering will happen in the offseason. Uh, Rangers will obviously do more, too, so we're looking forward to it. Obviously looking forward to the Rangers and probably Phillies, but you know, I guess the Diamondbacks will sneak in and upset that apple cart for yeah, sure. I think I'd rather Rangers versus Philly. Oh, man, that's, that's a sexier matchup. you yeah. got Bryce Harper. you got more star power. Got more uh, star power. Yeah, the there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, like, who is this guy? going on with that Diamondbacks team is to take nothing away from it. None of those guys are household names. Yeah. Um, they're just not. And I mean, they're, the Rangers they're, had. Talk about teams that are ahead of schedule. The Diamondbacks are way ahead of schedule. You got Bryce Harper, who is, I mean, is he the face of Major League Baseball right now? I mean, him and Shohei, but Shohei doesn't play in the playoffs. You never, yeah, you never Harper, see him in the postseason. Oh, Bryce Harper is baseball's LeBron James, right? He yeah. left high school He's early. a prodigy. prodigy. Yeah. And he's lived up to it. He's making a ton of money, but uh, the Philly fans love him. Yeah, that's a sexier matchup. Both home field crowds would be amazing. Uh, but you know what else we root for, Rod? Before we get to who said that, who and said Jeff that? Fry will join us. Uh, Jeff Fry, by the way, he and Craig Flowers fresh out of the deer stand. They're hunting this morning, so <laughs> or whatever stand they're in. They're nice. somewhere hunting. Uh, we'll hear from him. Apparently, Jeff, the, the featured speaker at a Ducks Unlimited event tonight. Uh, so we'll talk to Ty uh, to Frito. But uh, you know, we, we root for underdogs. Can I play a little bit of sound, Rod, before we get to who said that? I love it. The story of Tyler Bajant. Oh, man, this is a great story. Quarterback of the Chicago Bears. This guy's been around. Rookie. He gets, he's been around, Rookie. Man. Let me tell you this story. So this kid's from Martinburg, Martinsburg, West Virginia, which is a tiny little town way up in the little panhandle area of West Virginia. He was a hell of a high school player. His father is a 27-time world um, arm wrestling arm, champion. Yeah. 27 <laughs> times, Rod. Yeah. He's world a arm wrestling champion. Grown man. Uh, and he's a character himself. But this guy went to Martinsburg High School in West Virginia. He was Mr. West Virginia football. Super talented player. And he's a big guy. He's 6'3", 213 at this point. But coming out of high school, he wasn't as big. And so he didn't get many offers. So he went to a university called Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. <laughs> and set every record there is to set at that level of football. He won the Harlan Hill Trophy, kind of that level's uh, Heisman Trophy yeah. in 2021. And here's the weird thing. He was one of the 15 quarterbacks invited to the Combine. Uh, out of Shepherdsville, man. Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Hey, the NFL don't mess around. They'll find you. Yeah. If you can play, the NFL will find you. Well, now. so he ends up at the combine. <laughs> he doesn't get drafted, but the Bears were interested. So now here he is on the Bears, and their quarterbacks are hurt. And so now he's getting to play. And they won the game last week. They beat the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Beat the Raiders with him as a starting quarterback. Uh, this is a cool story. So let's listen to this interview uh, on the sidelines, or on the, side, on the field after the game. The, the, this Tyler Bajant-led Bears team uh, with Deontay Foreman, the lifetime Longhorn, scoring three touchdowns, beating the Vegas Raiders and earning a victory. This is one of those cool underdog stories. Tyson, you told me that so many times in Division II football, you were told Division One is a different universe and you were not ready for it. So let's inspire some people today. For every Division II player who is told this is too big for you, what would you like to say after your first win in the NFL universe? Man, I would just, you know, I always resort to just the work that needs to be done. Don't ever stop working. Don't ever let anybody's opinion stop you from chasing what you want. Um, and that, that's really what it boils down to me, just the work, tirelessly working day in and day out and never stopping. And, you know, great, thing, great things can be a result of that. Tyson Amen, Bajant. Amen. Tyson Bajant. Get to know the name. Could he be mm-hmm. the next Tony Romo? Remember, Tony Romo won the, oh, yeah. uh, his Heisman at his level of college, mm-hmm. got his chance with the Cowboys and became Tony Romo. Keep an eye there. I'll, oh, I'll play one other piece of audio, Rod. Listen to him. He was asked at a press conference. Yeah, I think you might hear the question. You know, did you have a plan B? Did you have a plan B? Listen to this. this is where keep keep fighting for your dreams, but right. always have another plan. Did you have a backup plan if you didn't get the shot in the NFL? 
yeah, I was going to um, just basically just crossfit my life away, get as ripped and jacked as I possibly could, <laughs> and uh, be a teacher at Martinsburg High School. <laughs> there you go. He's ripped and jacked as that good. It's going to be a crossfit war. People are like, why is that guy so ripped? You ever, you ever pass by somebody and be like, why are you so jacked? Yeah. Why are you so swole? What do you do for a living that crossfit. you need to be that swole? But there you go. That's one of those people. I get it. I ain't mad at him. But I love that story, though. That's a, that is a really good story. And like I said, he came out of nowhere. So the NFL will find you. If you can play, the NFL will find you, man. That's pretty cool. They will gonna, find you. Coach can be a, be a teacher at Martinsburg High School. Where I, he, where I he got started. questions about his dad, too, now. I got a lot of questions about the dad. What was his plan? Like, he's a professional arm wrestler. How would you get into that? Like, did you just fall into that? Did you pursue it? Did you want to be Travis a professional arm Bajent. wrestler? Like, who, who got you into that? Do you have a mentor? Like, where's the professional arm wrestling circuit in Texas? Where are they? It's in West Virginia. No, actually, no, no. I take Docks. it back. No, no. Doc's backyard. They are at Doc's backyard. Remember, we've seen them. I've seen them practicing there before. Yeah, Sundays they show up and they bring their arm wrestling sta- yeah. tables and they arm wrestle. I've seen them practicing and working out there, and I'm like, this is a league or something? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Doc's backyard. They set up out there yeah. in the backyard in Sunset Valley, and they <laughs> A lot of grunting. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm wow. always, you know, I'm, it's like whenever I see one of those crop rocket motorcycles race by me, I'm just waiting to see it flip over, and I'm like, oh no, I don't no. want to watch this. Oh yeah, like the, the arm, the guys Ugh. that are the guys that are weaving in and out of traffic. Yeah, I'm just waiting for one of those guys' arms Ugh. to break. No, because I've seen it on I've video. Seen that on video, and I don't want to see that at all. And every time I see arm wrestling, it reminds me of that Sylvester Stallone movie. Was it over the over top? Over the top, baby. Oh man, put That's the hat a, on backwards. We had a movie about arm wrestling, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was like arm wrestling and truck. Stallone was, was like, in it. It was like a truck driver slash arm wrestling movie. I was thinking about yeah, that. Brought, they tied his kid into it. His oh, yeah, his kid was, like, kidnapped somehow. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Kid? This is arm wrestling. How did it become so shady? Yeah, man. Leave it alone. <laughs> you got to remake Rocky into arm wrestling. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's all right. So that, that's Travis Bajant. He is the world <laughs> arm wrestling champion 27 times over. Uh, his son Tyson is now the store, one of the great stories of the NFL. It is. Uh, he was the West Virginia Gatorade Player of the Year so in high school. Yeah, and got invited to the Baller. combine. So you got to be – yeah, and I'll give him credit for this. The, you know, the cool story is that he could have left in the transfer portal once he showed he could really play, and there were schools that have been interested, and he didn't. He, he played and played all four years at Shepherdstown or Shepherds College. I respect that. Yeah, and now he's playing for the Bears. We'll come back mm-hmm. when we do a round of Who Said That on a fun huh? Tuesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby. Just east of a toll 130 westbound side, Highway 71 from Garfield. It's extra slow. We've got a crash in the area. So, again, a backup, but when things started to clear there, it was slow most of the morning, then it cleared now, the crash is back and things up. Boy, good news in Hayes County. Kyle, the Buda looking just fine. Uh, now, we do have a little slow traffic in William Canada, Stasty, but that's it. Now, north of there, Old Torp to Cesar Chavez is going to be a tad slow. Southbound Mopac near Steck, uh, a little heavy, but again, that, that's not too bad. That's just residuals from an earlier crash and some routine stuff. Westbound frontage, been wide at I-35, a wreck there. So you're going to have to deal with that for a while. looks like the crash 2222 Loop 360 is pretty much over. I'm Don Miller. That's your traffic. Straight music, folks. Love telling you about our friends at Straight Music. It's the live music capital of the world, of course. And Straight Music has just fit in in this area for 60 years. They're celebrating their 60th anniversary, a 60th birthday party, and they're having a sale. Like, uh, you know, it's their 60th birthday, but they want to give you the benefit of the celebration. From 1963 to now, uh, it is all, all 60s. Here's the deal. 60s-inspired guitars from Fender and Gibson all on sale for 1963% off. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Tons of gear in every department, guitars, drums, band, orchestra, uh, and more. And, again, it's 19. 19- 
0.63% off uh, any accessories when you buy an instrument, up to 30% off for new Yamaha pianos through the end of the month. Again, it's their 60th birthday. They've been a local fixture in the live music capital of the world for all these six decades, and they're going to turn the savings right back to you like they've always done. Straight Music Company has two great locations, North uh, 183 at 620 right there near the Lakeline Mall. Also, the South location has moved. Remember, they were at uh, 71 and Lamar for so long. They've moved now to Walsh Tarleton and BK, just a mile or so, two miles away. Uh, Walsh Tarleton and BK is right in the heart of Westlake. That's where you'll find the South location of Straight Music, their flagship location. Get in there and celebrate their birthday and their anniversary by you saving money on 60s-inspired guitars. Uh, also, all the gear in every department, guitars, drums, band, orchestra, accessories, almost 20% off those accessories, 30% off new Yamaha pa- pianos now through the end of the month at Straight Music. Get in there and see them. Find more online at straightmusic.com. Happy birthday to Straight Music. Foundation damage is a very common problem here in Texas. If you suspect foundation damage, choosing the right foundation repair company is critical. At Ramjack, over 50% of our jobs in Texas involve replacing and correcting work installed by other contractors. Ramjack protects your home with permanent, affordable solutions. Rely on the experts. Rely on Ramjack Foundation Repair. Learn more at Ramjack.com. That's Ramjack.com. Summer is coming in hot, and Kalahari is the place to keep it cool. Dip your toes in the pool at our water park or stop by B-Lux for a sweet, chilled treat. Dive into a handcrafted shake like you've never experienced. Equal parts ice cream and artistry. From a towering donut B-Lux shake to a cupcake-topped birthday cake shake, B-Lux is the place to sink your sweet tooth into the deep end. No floaties necessary. Keep it cool all summer long at Kalahari. Visit KalahariResorts.com for more info and a full menu. Johnny Steaks and Barbecue in Toledo presents Stony LaRue, Saturday night. Get your tickets to see Stony LaRue live Saturday night at Johnny Steaks and Barbecue. Purchase online johnnysteaksandbbq.com. Don't miss Stony LaRue at Johnny's in Salado Saturday night. Get your tickets at johnnysteaksandbbq.com. That's johnnysteaksandbbq.com. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, Aaron. Who said it, Rod Babers? What do we have? We have audio. That's how this yes, works. Sir. Pretty simple. We play audio, but we play to guess who it is. Certainly you out there are welcome to guess. You get this on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Uh, Rod, what do you have for me? Who said that? Uh, all right, Ty, I sent you a bunch of stuff, so just fire one up whenever you're ready. Who said that? Good audio. Passed out about 112 of them. Uh Load them all up. No, we we unloaded all of them, but uh, one of my smart Alec seniors uh, loaded his back up and uh, put it up on the podium where where I speak to the kids, and I put my hand there, and it's uh yeah, it looks like my pinky got smashed by a hammer, but it would have killed a lesser man. But I'm okay, JJ. I appreciate you asking. We passed. Out. 
I, I know that's my who man. said that. That's my guy Jeff Trailer. That is Jeff Trailer. Is that the rat trap story? Yes, he's talking. For those who don't know, UTSA put rat traps with cheese in players' lockers this week as a reminder not to eat the cheese. And one of the players gave one to Jeff Trailer uh, and put it basically uh, at the, the podium, podium yeah. and he didn't see it, and he got his <laughs> finger smashed by a rat trap. I, I like it. Though. I think it's pretty funny. Mac Brown would do kind of stuff, symbolic, little silly stuff like this. Now, I what like would have it. happened if Mac Brown had got his finger smashed? Oh, he as a prank. <laughs> <laughs> Mac would not have been happy. Mac didn't drop a lot of uh, f bombs. We might have heard one then. <laughs> that would have been bad. Having covered Mac, that that's was... pretty cool though. I'm glad. I, yeah, I, love, I love me some Jeff Trailer, man. He's a lesser a, man. A lesser could not man, have exactly. A lesser man. Uh, it would have killed the lesser man, but he was all right. Uh, can we play this? It was actually heard on our radio station yesterday afternoon. You'll hear Rich Eisen asking a question of a guest, and uh, your challenge is to guess who that is. It also leads to an interesting conversation. Who said that? What about your level of concern for the Los Angeles Chargers? Where does that stand? Red alert. Red alert. I felt yesterday, and I'll say this, Rich, uh, it kind of felt like in seven different ways, the Chiefs saying, that's your best shot. You know, that, that first half, you know, they go toe-to-toe with them. It's just like the beginning of Brandon Staley's tenure. And I jumped out of the gym for it. You got this this talented rookie QB on a rookie deal. Now he's not anymore. So good luck with with surrounding him with talent. This was their best shot as of late as an organization to get in the picture in the AFC West. And the Chiefs have completely changed the way they do business. And they did it while keeping you at bay over the last two, three years. And it's just like the rivalry. The first couple games, you were like, oh, we're going to have something. I think yesterday they closed the door on the uh, on the Chargers in the AFC West. I think they closed the door on Brandon Staley's tenure. Wow. And I think this was like a, hey, see you all down the line. Ooh, man, a scathing criticism. I don't know who that is. Who is that? It's Chris Long. Chris Long. Ooh, Chris Long's pretty level-headed, yeah, he's too. A, he's actually. a weekly guest with Rich Eisen. Yeah. And, of course, Howie Long's son. Yeah, he's not a hot take guy. But I agree so. with him. And I said this yesterday. You know, we were wrapped up in so much Texas talk. But, you know, watching that Chiefs-Chargers game, no, you know you're going to play the Chiefs twice a year. You have to have a plan to stop Travis Kelsey. Exactly. And it can't be where he catches 12 balls for 200 <laughs> yards in the first half, Rock. The first half. You're a defensive coach. Like, what are half. you doing? Come on now. Like, isn't your challenge to solve problems? Well, you've got to solve the Travis Kelsey problem if you're going to beat the Chiefs. Uh, and you got to do better than that. You, if you don't solve it, I'm going to need you to – to be up to the task, at least. He wasn't up to the task. No. It's a complete failed failure. the test. Yeah, it's a, you failed. You got an F. You got an F, brother. I, and you slept it, through the test. It's like, Travis, I mean, Brandon Staley, you're a defensive guy, and you've pointed out so many times they have the highest price to defense. They in do. The, you got to think the owner, Alex Panos, yeah. is saying, Brandon, it's, it's, it's almost, he it's can watch that saying, yeah. you have all your job all offseason to come up with ways to, to slow down the Chiefs because that's who we have to beat. And we can't do better than that. No, I agree. And I, and you go look at right now around the NFL, there's actually a lot of really good young defensive coordinators that are making a name for themselves. Baltimore's got one in uh, McDonald. Um, and I, I think the Chargers may be one of the first teams to decide to move on from their coach and start yeah. pursuing, you know, the future. Yeah. I've mentioned the name Dan Quinn. I mean, if you got that Dan much Quinn's talent, a good one. you got that much talent you on. You got Kellen Moore's already there, so he's got his OC already knows. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. And ooh, you got a ton of talent on D. Justin uh, Herbert, some hybrid players on D too. Derwin James. James. Oh, I like that. I like that. He Khalil Mack. You got a Boza. Mm-hmm. I got a Boza. You don't even know which one. <laughs> you got a Boza. You're good. You got a Boza. Uh, all right, uh, Ty. Just fire one up. Uh, who said that? 
I saw a stat that Travis Kelsey plays better when Taylor Swift is in attendance. Travis Kelsey's my boy, best tight end in the league for like the past three, four years. So it's obviously not Taylor Swift. But I'm going to tell y'all one thing. When there is a bad girl and she's in attendance and she's watching you, that gives you an extra boost of confidence. When you pull up to the gym and your girl's with you, I don't care who's in front of me. Like, without a doubt in my mind, Kawhi Leonard could be in front of me. I got to give him 30. I refuse to go in that car on the way home. And my girl's talking about, damn, he dropped you off today, huh? Nah, that's not happening. So you know what Kelsey's doing. I know what's going on. He was already doing it. So now it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to do it more now. Like, it's a swagger. It's a confidence when that thing happens. Y'all know how I go. Come on. Yeah, any red-blooded red-blooded male knows if if the girl's in the in attendance, you're balling out. They've they've done it's worth uh, five points at least. They've done like unofficial uh, NBA, and that's Michael Parsons, by the way. They've I got like Micah. Unofficial um, like NBA research about this, and because you can see the hot women at on the obviously on the court court side, and the players' averages go up at times depending on how hot the Are ladies they able are to court measure side. in every sport. Because <laughs> I know these that uh, what if you have multiple hot women there, and they oh. all think they're there for you, and you got several in the stands. Hey, I'm sure that's. I was NBA. That definitely happens. Actually, a lot. That might be nerve-wracking. Like, I hope they Come don't. On, man. Hope they don't find each other in the bathroom or something. That could be bad. Oh, you could be. Oh, what's Todd? What's the NBA player that actually does have a, a thruple? He's dating multiple at the same time. Who is it? I'm I not aware There's of that a, situation. I'm oh, looking it up. I'm finding that. I'll find it. That'll right. be perfect for on the fabulous fifth hour. Will, <laughs> I'll find it. I guarantee. It's still happening. I guarantee you. There's an NBA player with a thruple. Yeah, like they, the women are proud. Like they're like, no, we're in a relationship together, all of us. We all get some of that. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> we all get some of that. It's not the Zion Williams. <laughs> situation is it no, uh, no. he wishes <laughs> he, he he might pay That's for his it. youth and dumbness yeah. <laughs> uh immaturity we'll come back we got the fabulous fifth hour rangers are going to the world series longhorns are talking quarterbacks who's going to navigate this texas ship uh we got plenty to do cowboys and texans coming out of their bye weeks and jeff fry will join us uh, for his thoughts on the rangers his rangers going to their first world series in a dozen years it's hook them up with ian rodby Just east of a toll 130 westbound side, Highway 71 from Garfield. It's extra slow. We've got a crash in the area. So, again, a backup. But when things started to clear there, it was slow most of the morning. Then it cleared. Now the crash is back and things up. Boy, good news in Hayes County. Kyle, the Buda looking just fine. Uh, now, we do have a little slow traffic. William Canada Stasty, but that's it. Now, north of there, Old Torp to Cesar Chavez is going to be a tad slow. Southbound Mopac near Steck, uh, a little heavy, but again, that, that's not too bad. That's just residuals from an earlier crash and some routine stuff. Westbound frontage, Ben White at I-35, a wreck there. So you're going to have to deal with that for a while. Looks like the crash 2222 Loop 360 is pretty much over. I'm Don Miller. That's your traffic. <laughs> 